0: When I went into corporate, a lot of that went away. So I felt disconnected. And I think that's probably part of two... it's almost like I got to it, I saw it, I experienced, I'm traveling around the world, I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm like, now what? And in the words of Drizzy, like, is there more? Like, Surely there's gotta be more than just the stuff. And it was instant. Like that, That's why I believe I was in California at that time. Because I had to be inspired by something that hit me and it and it did. So yeah, service has always been a part of my life and I believe it will always be.
1: I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm I'm leaving corporate America so I'm used to those morning huddles we got our sales we know what our goals are and we get our day started so I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup now the second thing that I really really benefited from was the revenue revenue generating activities was not necessarily a thing before 2021 now I had my LLC I had my website I had a few clients here and there but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around or like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media the friends that I've developed the mentors and the mentees that I've that I've created relationships with Everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you wanna develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community, let's get started today. You will not regret it. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young, and I am super excited. So. I need to say, when it comes to social entrepreneurship, this brother here is super amazing and the impact that he's getting ready to make and making currently is going to knock your socks off. So without further ado, would you like to take it away?
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, What's up, world? My name is Jonathan, better known as chief bookman and founder of I Love Books. I am on a mission to end illiteracy book by book. And the reason is... If you cannot read you cannot learn if you cannot learn you cannot earn and we know that there are massive gaps and we're going to close that gap starting with the basics which is reading and writing
1: absolutely and i have um followed a little bit of your mission even the the latest um soundtrack for i love uh, love books absolutely Say, say a little bit for me please
0: uh (laughs) <laughs> I love books because they gross us like a couple million dollars. Man. Listen,
1: yeah. I love it. I was like, okay, this is one where you have to like really get into it. It's not like a, those like cliche type mm-hmm. of songs. It, it's like actually a flow. You actually have talent there. Thank
0: you. I was I like, this is pretty it. good. It's this idea of BAM, which is books, art, and music. Mm. And I love books, true, and the imagery of book lovers is one thing, but the imagery of music and art lovers is different and I just wanna merge that because a lot of my friends and I, we all love books, art, and music. And Mm. so I figured there's a different way to connect with young people and we can use music as a tool to do that.
1: Absolutely, okay, I understand. Now when you say they look different, like artists look, artists love, art. people who love art look Mm -hmm. one way, people who love books look another way. So how do you envision those three And then what does the conglomerate look like?
0: Yeah, in my opinion, uh, and these are stereotypes, so Mm -hmm. to speak, you know, if if you've got um, a reader, they probably don't have my skin tone and they may be considered a nerd uh, if they are a reader of books. If you're an artist, you may be considered like a hippie, old school, something like that. And if you're a musician, you're usually seen as more of a creative talent and such. But for me personally, Um, I am a combination of all three and I think that that is going to create a different image of what it means to be smart, what it means to be a reader. The way that I want to talk about books is very different than most people talk about books, hence the music. And if you listen to the, the song, it's really the dichotomy of that. It is the part of me that's talking about what books have done on the academic side and from an intelligence and awareness standpoint. Then on the other side, uh, which is the line I, one of the lines I was just quoting, the books have allowed me to establish a career and a lifestyle that growing up in Eastern Kentucky, I didn't even know existed. And yeah. so I want to talk about that because a lot of kids, the reason why they pursue music or sports or entertainment, uh, especially in our neighborhoods, it's because they want the results of being successful in that. And in other words, money and freedom, financial freedom. Yeah. So if we if we look at it from that angle there's uh there's an opportunity to show them hey you can live that that life you can travel the world you can drive in the cars you can do all of the stuff that you see and you can do that by simply being smart literally Mm -hmm.
1: i love it and the fact that you mentioned your career um we both align on the corporate the corporate aspect of it you wouldn't have necessarily gotten there i mean i'm assuming so you have to like debunk my but you wouldn't have gotten there without reading, right? You wouldn't have Absolutely. gotten there without your ability to to get to a certain level of literacy, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So we, I guess I want to start like, one, when I say social entrepreneurship is near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. I love it when like, entrepreneurship is one thing, but when you want to do something specifically for a, a cause in this world, sometimes you lose a couple people. Yeah. So, but before you even got there... You were just Jonathan, so yeah. tell us about the young yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, b-
0: before the book man came about, right? Uh, I grew up in a small city in Southeast Kentucky called Hazard. Shout out to Hazard, uh, Perry County. Um, my my parents did not attend college, but they were instrumental in all of my siblings' education. So I have three siblings: uh, older brother, older sister, younger sister. And they knew that getting out of hazard was um, the goal, and that was only gonna be accomplished by becoming educated. So they pushed education over sports and everything else. I was fortunate to get an academic scholarship to the University of Kentucky. I studied marketing and management my undergrad, and then my MBA with a concentration in finance. So at 22, I began my career um, for a company working for a company called Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati okay. uh, so working in brand finance and Really just starting to figure out what finance was. I had no interest in going into into the field of numbers I didn't enjoy them at the time mm. But P&G was a highly sought-after company and finishing grad school It was the best offer that I had so I went ahead and and made the jump was at P&G for seven and a half years um, left PNG, went to California, the Bay Area working for a company called McKesson. And um, in the healthcare space, when I was in California, something life-changing happened though. I, I saw homelessness at a rate I did not know existed. It was it was pretty sad to me. And every day going from the Oakland Hills in my nice, comfortable home and getting on the train to go into San Francisco. I'd see just rows and rows of our homeless brothers and sisters of all backgrounds and demographics just laying there. And it I realized I was part of the problem because I'm part of the group that's walking by and accepting this. Mm-hmm. And so i made a commitment to do my part. Um, and that's how I moved back to Kentucky, started my first business, went back into corporate and then got to I Love Books. We can unpack all of that over awesome. time, but I try. I'm trying not to have all of it in one segment in the whole story. Um, but that's that's essentially where all of this started: was seeing homelessness, and then doing the due diligence to see that illiteracy is the, not only one of the primary root causes of homelessness, but one of the primary root causes of poverty crime, violence, all of those negative things we as a society don't enjoy and don't want, a lot of it is caused by someone that cannot read and cannot write and most likely cannot think critically and function uh, as a productive citizen. So that's how we are here. It's a long journey. It's
1: a long journey and so much to unpack. And I am going to, every single question that's already in my mind, I'm going to try to literally ask every one of them. Um, So first of all, you had the the normal trajectory of a successful person and who got to corporate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your vision of like success when you were growing up? Uh,
0: you gotta get the bag, you gotta get the, you No, know, and it's not about the money, it was about the freedom. Um, so my thought was go get the degrees, go start work. You work for 30 years and then you retire, a multimillionaire, and you get to go play golf. That's what I knew because that's what I was exposed to. It wasn't until I started to expand my friend circle, my my, uh, colleague circle, et cetera, that I started to see that there are other opportunities. But yeah, that normal trajectory of a kid coming from very little, relatively speaking, trying to uh, get to something much more.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned your goal was freedom. And now that we're in it, we think thirty years devoting to a company that's like the opposite of freedom. Yeah. It, but but in that in that sense, you were willing to take the thirty year, you know, hit mm-hmm. for a lifetime of freedom. So right. that's still kind of where your mind is. Mm-hmm. at. I can feel it. Now, you went and studied marketing, right? Mm. What did you realize? What was it about marketing that drove you to like a career of? creativity was it
0: yeah there's creativity um and the element of people Mm. i love people i'm an introvert so some of my friends who may watch this later be like he's not an introvert he's always but at the core of me i truly do enjoy being by myself um and a fairly private person but marketing allowed me to work with other people in a creative way And you could throw sales in there to a certain degree as well, just um, interacting with people, thinking in unique ways and all of that good stuff. So I'm still a marketing fan. And one day I hope that my actual job when I wake up is to find the most creative ways to give books during our book giving. And that's really what I want to do is just Mm. be creative and uh, collaborate with other creators.
1: Got it. So since you've gotten a degree, you would fall into that what 80% of people who haven't used their degree like vocationally
0: uh, so for me fortunately I was able to use it because I went straight from undergrad to grad school okay yeah so the MBA is what got me into PNG
1: the MBA in finance yeah yeah but the but the bachelor in yeah, finance that, and marketing
0: yeah that didn't come back it's crazy that didn't come <clears> back <throat> until when I went back into corporate the second time Mm -hmm. one of the first things that i did was uh create this this concept called soar um for the business that i was supporting and that was so different because i'm a finance dude and most finance people aren't creative but because i had the entrepreneurship experience um before i went back into corporate again I thought from a different vantage point, which made me stand out. It was very clear that I wasn't a traditional finance guy. So it took took a long time to start using it, Um, but now I get to use the marketing piece and the finance piece.
1: Absolutely. I'm curious about this project that you call SCORE. It sounds like that's one of those like ma- like major accomplishments in corporate.
0: Soar. Yeah. So safety, ownership, action, results. Uh, I worked for, I was the finance uh, manager for a uh, building. Mm-hmm. Safety is number one. And we were trying, we were a new building. We were trying to figure out what is our motto going to be? What are we going to stand by? And one night in my hotel, I was doing training and I was in my hotel and I was thinking, it was like, this is it what was different in that situation was that i had just started at this company this is weeks into me starting and in my career i haven't seen most people that are new come up with something and be bold enough to take it to the general manager and say this is what i have but when you've been in this lifestyle when you're when you've been an entrepreneur and you understand the importance of action you take action it's action 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 you got to (laughs) try Yeah. Um, so they still use it now, four or five years later, uh, which I'm very proud of. But it it is one of those things where I would much rather be doing that creativity for something I created and something that does good versus a conglomerate.
1: Yeah. I think uh, when I think about um, the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship, we're going from a mindset where we've never tried and tested things mm-hmm. to, to a mindset mindset when you you have to like put your ideas out there as soon as you can to see if they're going to stick. So oftentimes I feel like that's the first that's the only that's the difference only in the beginning, mm. but I feel like entrepreneurs who go back into corporate are much more successful in that way. Yeah. Do you, would you say your second stint in um in corporate was
0: 100% Yeah. much better? what
1: would be the difference?
0: Part of it's because of maturity. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um I was older, you know, I started the second career, if you will, in corporate uh, much later, probably 10 years later. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of growth as an individual. Gratitude, so this is the crazy part. I gotta share this part. Um, I didn't just go from being an entrepreneur going back into corporate. I went from being an entrepreneur sleeping on my mom's couch, 50 cents in my bank account, five figures worth of debt owed, three credit card companies suing me, Um, and I just made 150,000 the year before. And so gratitude going back in understanding that this is not a given allowed me to appreciate everything, which means that I was going out of my way to help everybody with everything. So my name was solid, um, because unlike a lot of the people, perhaps that I was around who've never been through that type of experience. When you've been at the top, so to speak, of what I dreamed of doing when I was a kid and falling and being able to get yourself back up, like the confidence is different. Yeah. The gratitude is different. The appreciation is different. Um, the skill set is different. So I'm not the finance guy anymore. I am the entrepreneur that happens to have an expertise in finance. And so I'm not thinking the way that other finance folks are thinking and I'm not acting the way which gives me an advantage as a leader in my building gives me a, um, an advantage as a leader within my peers and my colleagues, because there's just a different level of of respect when when you're going all out, and that's just a result of living that traditional entrepreneurial lifestyle, that story that people oh he was broke he was out of I lived that yeah and no one knew no one had any idea that I was struggling. I had no car, none of that. So my second stint, bringing it uh, back, my second stint in corporate was so much better. Um, and the role was more suited for me because it was a more independent type position, independent type of position. So it just, it was, yes, very grateful, very grateful. Shout out to all the people um, at, at Amazon who helped me Get my get my feet back on the ground like it. They had no idea. Yeah. I'm I'm going through it. They had no idea um, to get to. And I want to share this story because you know, I haven't shared yeah. any of this yet. Yeah. And I think it'd be cool. So to get my car, I had no car when I was living in Louisville, and I was going to work in Buford. I had to get on a mega bus, take the mega bus down to the MARTA here in Atlanta, uh, take the MARTA out to the last, I think it's Doraville at the last station. Mm-hmm. Get in an Uber X i had no money i'm broke go to the car dealership get the car go to an apartment that i saw two days earlier because i couldn't afford to get down to the city and go look for an apartment the sacrifices that i made are why i'm able to do what i'm doing and why i have 100 percent faith in my vision and my mission and my purpose that's yeah
1: you said to get your car you had to do all of that Mm -hmm. was that when you got the job to go back into corporate Mm -hmm. yep oh so you were offered and do you mind sharing your salary that they Not offered at all. you getting took And you know what? I need to still share. How so how much did they offer you to go back into corporate the second
0: stint? So um the the initial offer was one fifteen um 17k sign and bonus year one, one, sixteen, year two, or vice versa, mm-hmm. and a, a decent amount of stock. The the reason why i'm able to do a big reason why i'm able to do what i'm doing now is because the stock went from 900 to 35 mm-hmm. in the course that i was there i was planning to stay for four years and i was able to leave early super grateful great experience R- helped me get back like i'm fine i'm in the best financial position that i've been in in life mm-hmm. and i'm free Um, I'm free in terms of my time my thoughts my energy Uh, And that's that now in life. This is the goal. I don't care about the money The money will come and that's fine. The freedom um, and the peace of mind is what I care about most now
1: Absolutely, and what's what's solid is you came in and and though you were grateful You had a mission and you left even Mm -hmm. even ahead of schedule for the second time everything went well, but the first time didn't go as well so can you walk us through that moment where you're seven years on, on the bay, mm-hmm. right, uh, in the bay, and you realize homelessness is what it is. Like homelessness was that was like that seven years while you were there. Mm. What was the impetus for you to actually leave your job, and and were you when you quit? Were you set out to like help homelessness? What was your mindset at the time?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, great question. I. It was there. So Cincinnati, the majority of my time before moving to Cali was in Cincinnati. I didn't see it. I lived in the suburbs there. Got it. But when I lived and worked in the city, when Mm -hmm. I worked in the city is when I saw it every single day that I went to work. And if I was going into the city on the weekend, I would see it there. It was maybe six to eight months of me seeing it. And I was like, okay, you're part of the problem. So the next year, I was only in the Bay for about a year, year and a half, and then I moved back to Kentucky to start my first company, which was mm. Um, And I give a shout out to Cervanta in the song. That's what I'm talking about. Without that company, without that experience, I wouldn't be here now. Servanta mm. started out as a cause marketing agency and I was gonna partner nonprofits fighting homelessness with businesses that were socially conscious. Yeah. Still think that's a really good idea. Absolutely. Um, but it didn't work for me. And given that I was I liquidated everything. And that's how I got that's how I became broke, so to speak. Like I liquidated all the Your things they tell K, you 401k all the things PNG that they tell stopped, you what? all they tell you not to do. You I did. did all of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So after those resources um like as I started to see the resources decrease, I realized uh I got to pivot. And I heard about a company called Toms, a shoe brand mm-hmm. that used business. They sold shoes and they gave I was like, that's brilliant. Like, that's the way that you go solve it, not by donations, because that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. Within 48 hours, I heard about the the illiteracy crisis and that two thirds of kids living in low income homes don't have books. 85% of black kids in this country don't read proficiently. Like there's a lot. And the linkage between that and homelessness, but not just homelessness, also, uh, like we were saying earlier, poverty, Violence crime. So then it became address the books because statistically speaking the more books and the more access to book a young person has the more likely they're going to be a reader the more likely they're going to be successful and they're going to avoid the prisons that are being built for them if they don't become literate. Mm. Uh, So that's how that all came about.
1: I understand that's how it all came about. And you, you're a very data person, data-driven data person. I would say, like some of the decisions that I made in the community were based on data as well. Mm. Um, you did everything against financial common wisdom, but what was the information you were basing your decision off of when you left oh, your job? That's
0: so good, yeah. So I, um, I, I knew that it was just a matter of time. I had read all the stories, so I had information, and this is part of the reason why books are so important. I've got information in my mind that allows me to navigate and move differently because I've, I have know that it's already been done. I know that Blake Mycoskie sold half of his company for crazy numbers. I know Tell what- me war, again, what's his yeah. organization? Uh, Tom Shoes.
1: Blake Mikoski. yes, Blake yes, yes, Mikoski. okay, yep. gotcha.
0: And, and so he, he sold half of his company to bank Capital for $300 million. This is less than 10 years after founding the company. Most people don't know that. So when they think of me trying to build out of books, they you know, they can't see that. I saw that when I started studying. I also saw the cases of Warby Parker, Katoa, all these other people who've done it. I read the stories of Zuckerberg and uh, Larry Page, all these people who've been through that experience, which gave me the belief that this is a rite of passage. And I pledged in college, so I understand that there's a rite of passage. You've got to go through this to get to this other side, or you don't. One of the two, I just chose to to go through it. So I knew what I was, I knew I was gonna be dealing with with the challenges. Yeah. Uh I didn't know how to deal with them initially, but I learned. And I think that's ultimately all of this comes down to is just learning.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So what you're telling me is with all the information that you had, you knew that there was information that you didn't have mm-hmm. and you were willing to let life teach you what you didn't know.
0: Absolutely. And we're wow. talking offline. I think that's what you were saying as well. Absolutely. Like, let, let God figure it out. Like, Absolutely. I'm going to do my part, which is to show the faith. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, it's such a cliche word now, but it's not real faith requires this. Otherwise, how do you know that you have faith? Never been, Never been tested. You gotta be tested, and if you aren't being tested, you're not doing enough that requires faith. Absolutely. That's my personal opinion.
1: I love it. Absolutely, you're not. You're you're only saying that you have faith, and you're living this very like comfortable and stable mm-hmm. life. And it's easy for you to say I have faith for when sure. you're living so comfortably. For sure. But when you are like literally at the bottom, and you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but you still have faith, and you still have gratitude. Mm-hmm that is when you know that you're on this journey for, for a reason for like sure. well, you're already you already are on a journey for a reason but that's when you know
0: yeah and that's a great point you know <laughs> so i'm at the point now where i just know i don't when i first started i love books last year right around the beginning of the pandemic i was looking for external validation mm. i'd already been through the heartbreak of, of failure once didn't want to go through it again. I'm looking at hey, you. What do y'all think? What do y'all think? But the more I learned, the more the further I got, the more action I took, things just began to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a creative agency, shout out to Bullhorn Creative, and a communications agency, uh, Four Eighteen Communications in Lexington. They they found me somehow. Like all of these omens started to come together. People just popped up in my life there to help me, yeah. and I don't think it, it has nothing to do with me. It has. I'm the vessel that's creating this entity, so I just know. I just know that five years from now, what the future is because I'm creating it. That's where we're at.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so listen. I learned about cause marketing. I was in marketing before I quit my job um, when I created this um, the program, the career readiness mm-hmm. program that I told you about. I learned about cause marketing there. <clears throat> and in your journey when you left, you started Savanta, mm-hmm. which was a cause marketing was it nonprofit or was it for profit?
0: It was for profit. Got it. Mm-hmm. So it was the same
1: as uh, Tom's same. model. Yep. Um let's talk about cause marketing a bit. Yeah. Cause I think you wanted to work with you wanted to work with companies who were um, civic minded mm-hmm. and you said it just didn't work for you. One of the reasons that I feel like cause marketing maybe isn't what i what i think it's held to be is because i think there's still alternate ulterior motives within cause marketing Ooh, right because yeah. because the marketing is really the intent yeah and as much as we want to do good through cause marketing i kind of feel like it's always going to be um overshadowed by the intent sure. of the marketing which is sure. for the bottom line mm-hmm. why didn't why didn't servanta work The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America, are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, And you wanna build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's gonna take community and it's gonna take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: I didn't know what I was doing. You didn't know what I had you no were doing. idea. I you know, there, being an entrepreneur was never a thought in my mind till 2013, the year before I started Circa. Okay. And circumstances put me back in Kentucky quickly and I really I'm trying to adjust to my new life. I'm trying to adjust to being back in in the state. I, I'm trying to build something and I realized I have no idea Mm -hmm. and the overwhelming sense of fear came over me. Like, Oh man, I just messed up my whole life because I I don't know if I'm going to be able to recover from this. So the personal piece affected the professional. And then, like I said, the lessons that I had to learn in order to be sitting right here, Cervanta taught me that I was full time for three years. Um, and I'm, really grateful for that experience because the amount of experience that I got in those three years is the equivalent of 10 to 15. If you're, if you're moonlighting and, and working at nights and weekends, it's just much, much better. And I was all in like that faith that we were talking about. I was all in people question, why are you, why are you doing this? Because they didn't want to see me struggle. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing me struggle when I was just doing fine years before. So Servanta. I lo- it means to serve in an ancient dialect called Esperanto, which I learned about from The Alchemist um, by Paula Coelho, my favorite book. And I will always love Cervonta. It mm-hmm. It is it is my baby. And um, it, it didn't work in the sense that it didn't do what I wanted it to do, but it absolutely worked in helping me get to where I want to be.
1: Absolutely. In terms of its purpose and mm-hmm. you being, I, I 100% resonate with that. What was your journey? So let's talk a little bit technically about like yeah. what it is that you did when you left mm-hmm. to like build Savanta mm-hmm. and um how did you start to formulate relationships with nonprofits and then corporations? What how did you go about doing that when you first left? Or uh, even did you start before you left?
0: A little bit. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> I so I at least had the name, I had the idea, I had started working on the website, all of that. Um and when I got back when I got back to Kentucky, because I went to school at UK, which is in Lexington, I was already connected to some of the bigger nonprofits. The ones that I was not connected to, uh, my friends were in some way. So it just took me acting on what I already had plugged in. And it it hit me very quickly that I did not have enough resources to be able to last and do what I'm able to do now. so yeah, that that's it was mainly through the connections that I already had in, in Lexington, and uh, those those connections still are of immense value even even now.
1: Yeah. So were you just like, hey, for the first couple of people that you know, hey, I'm starting this company, mm. and I'd like to connect you with a couple of other companies. Do you want to like? Who were your clients? Was it the nonprofit? Like I work with you, or was it the company? Where was the revenue gonna come from for Savanta? It
0: was uh, businesses. So if you think about, let's say that I'm a coffee company. Uh, shout out to West Blue Coffee. If you're a coffee company and you really do want to do something good, you can. But you don't have that skill set. You could call me, mm-hmm. and my job then becomes to take all of what your goals are, to take all your goals. And then find the right partner for you. So if you're if you're about education, then I know who to find for education. If you're about homelessness, then I've got that. If you are about um, you know racial equality, then we've got that. That's where it's almost like a middleman, essentially a, mm. a, a curator, a partner, somebody that says um, the water company wants to do good. They want to do good in these areas. We'll call Cervanta and and we'll create a plan.
1: Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, using I'm, I'm on
0: saying, board. Yeah, but I had no idea what I, it sounds much better now because I know what in I'm hindsight. doing. I,
1: you, you probably are explaining it a lot different yeah. than you were
0: yeah. Oh, thinking. gosh. And so, my brother in law, it's crazy. My brother in law, I remember we were sitting at my birth at a, an event for my birthday when I first moved back, and he asked me to explain what Cervanta did. And I tried to explain, and this dude was like, no, <laughs> you haven't got it figured out yet. Oh, so, but okay. it's, but it's awesome because now I'm super clear. Like if you hear me explain what I love books is, it's extremely clear. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I took all of those lessons. I mean, big lessons, small lessons in between and put myself in this position. I, literally 2017, before I went to work, I had 50 cents in my bank account. Yeah, This is crazy. I'm like 30 something years old. Yeah, Never would I have imagined.
1: What we
0: Yeah, go, oh, please.
1: What were your what was your living style like? Like what was it that got you to fifty cents
0: in Time. your bank account? Time. So I wasn't living extravagantly. I stayed on the couch. Mm-hmm. Uh I had no car. Mm-hmm. I ate ramen and, and whatever else was was around. Somebody cooked. Hey, I'll come grab a plate. Excuse me. Um but if you even if you live that modest and that minimal lifestyle, it can only take you for so long. Mm. So I ran out of time. And during that time, I also had um I was working as a substitute substitute teacher for a little while. I was doing growth hacking for one of my friends working for 10 dollars an hour. This stuff is like that life I did it and part of the reason why I'm excited to talk to you and have this platform is to explain because I want people to understand that it's not free. Like this lifestyle that we're able to live and, yeah. and this life that we're blessed and fortunate to be in. Yeah. It cost. Yeah. There is a tax. Yeah. And the question is, are you willing to pay the tax? So I don't want it to seem as though, oh yeah, you know, I figured it all out and it's rosy and it's good. It's like, nah, no. Nah. Like I paid the price to be here. Mm-hmm. Um and that's the reason why I really wanna make sure people understand I was really living that life and yeah. it's crazy because no one no one knew.
1: Yeah. When I hear your story, I think um, you know it makes a lot of sense that we, um, when we leave corporate, mm-hmm. we're so stable financially and it comes so easily mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily spend a lot of time on revenue generating activity. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. you saying like uh, you made your website you had your um, logo, you had your LLC, but my question, and, and as I get it, I'm still in Cervantes mode because I'm like, okay, what had you, had you planned out, and I feel like the answer yeah. is going to be no, but like, had you planned out revenue, like how you were going to think about bringing in dollars? You said you were a substitute teacher, mm-hmm. and that I resonate with that because I spent a year in, in a shelter, right? Mm-hmm. Had you thought about revenue? Like how I was how how am I gonna make some money? Or what was your mindset on?
0: I was naive. Naive. I thought that I thought that by doing the good, people would just support. Okay. Because I would watch my social and I'd see people and it's and even today it's still the same. We complain about everything. But somebody comes out with a solution and we don't support the solution. Mm. So one of the biggest differences between my mindset now and then was then I got really frustrated. I was really irate. Like what y'all don't see? Look at how I have to live and I'm trying to do this. And then I realized it was on me. And one of the I think you put it on Twitter the other day about like the 100 Mm percent responsibility. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there at that time. And now that i'm there i realize oh yeah that was on me i didn't create something good enough um for people to want it so i've got to do better yeah. and that that internal thing is one of the most productive effective and efficient exercises people can do to look introspectively nice. and change themselves because that's how the world changes but so many of us look to external yeah things to change so that it makes us more comfortable and we don't have to change because we don't want to change. The Again, one of the main reasons why I'm here is because I've done a complete uh, 180 in who I am as a human being mm. and how I think. And yeah. these books, what I've consumed, what I do consume now, all of it is, it's helped me become the best version of myself and I'm still becoming the best version Uh, but right now i feel like i am the best version that i can be of myself right now and i will continue to grow and really strive for self-actualization like i want to be at the top of this pyramid of my human experience and Mm -hmm. inspire other people to take their journeys to have that same experience
1: facts i believe based on you being your best self you'll be the best person that you can be to create the most impact that Mm -hmm. you can make as an individual on this earth And so when I, I, when I think about I Love Books, and I feel like there's probably a difference in the way that you look at your value proposition even, what is the impact that you communicate now to, com- to corporations, to nonprofits, to even individuals mm-hmm. that I Love Books has intrinsically and monetarily, uh, and even, I'm sure, globally? How do you communicate the value proposition of I Love Books?
0: I think it, it it depends on the context. Um, so people will stop me. the, And the reason why I named the I Love Books is because Cervanta, when I pivoted into apparel, and I was trying to do the same thing, but again, I was running out of resources, people would stop me when I wore the Olive Book Books shirt and say, I love books too, or, oh, I like your shirt. So It's like, that's gotta be the name. It's gotta be something where I can say I Love Books and go to the site. Um, if I'm talking to an educator my proposition is your kids aren't literate you you as an educator do not want that i would assume or a parent your kids need to read or there's kids on the other side of town that can't read Um, we are the brand that's going to change that and i look at us as the times of books or the 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 nike of education when i had the original idea was to create a brand for educators and readers that represents who they are and also solves this problem of global illiteracy. So ultimately um, we make the flyest gear and we will continue to grow. And half of our money, half of our profits we give directly back in the form of books to schools and nonprofits who need them. That's it. And we, it's interactive. Um, one of my other favorite books called Contagious has um, a process if, if for lack of a better word called steps and how you execute and try to get things to catch on. Mm. One of those things is making the private public. So most giving happens behind closed doors because there's an assumption that if you show the giving that people think you're showing off and arrogant, I think that's an incorrect assumption. So the reason why we're making the book music, the reason why we're doing books giving and giving away things, we're changing that imagery. Mm. Like that's important. Um, And I believe that we will enter into a cycle of good where people understand the products when they buy it, it's good happening, we're gonna show them the good through all the videos and commercials, whatever else we do, they're gonna be inspired to buy more because they know that it's good. And it'll be tweaked along the way, but when I look at Warby Parker and when I look at Tom's, that seems to be what people respond to and it may not be the exact same for us, but I think that we will get uh, a, a similar reaction. So do you want to end global illiteracy? Yes? Mm. Okay. Well, we're the brand for it. It's that simple.
1: Gotcha. That's for educators. And I, I, I'd like for you to, we, we can do this all day because I know there's different audiences who will mm. benefit from the brand. But now that you've worked in the space, you've been in corporate, you've been in cause marketing, and now there are companies who could truly benefit from, from I Love Books in many different ways. How do you communicate the value proposition to a corporation? who only really cares about their bottom line?
0: Uh, there's multiple ways. You could talk about it from a work, like a workforce mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, and we're dealing with kids. So we were talking about the future of your workforce. You can talk about the bottom line. Um, incremental sales can happen. Uh, incremental value is created. And so I, I think we're we're not at the corporate point just yet Mm -hmm. it's still direct to consumer Mm -hmm. um but i just had a conversation with a couple of bookstores so i think we'll we'll probably start with the bookstores and then collaborate as we grow that way i want to build this brick by brick i'm in no rush i want to do it the right way we're building the right foundation um so i i don't have the actual answer, Mm. because I'm not there yet, Mm -hmm. but I have an idea of what I think it will be when I am there, which is incremental volume, incremental sales, um, better workforce, more inspired workforce, you know, maybe a collaboration with the goodwill of um, school district. If you're IBM in Lexington and you want to do something good to give the goodwill from a cause marketing standpoint, Mm. partner with us, there's avenues. And the truth is between educators, authors, illustrators, um, readers, mm-hmm. all of these people, everyone has a vested interest. Mm-hmm. And I love books, crosses over so many segments, mm-hmm. whether it's food and beverage and coffee or um lit and fit and like health, books will collaborate with anything. And I we're just three, four months in, so I've got a global vision with a local, localized plan. I love it.
1: I love it. If I, can, if I may, the way that I... So as I study community partnerships and I understand everyone has a vested interest, corporations sometimes always can seem like that black hole mm. because like, you can hit it from various angles, but as a corporation, the bottom line is always the bottom yeah. line. And I think as we can intrinsically come up with a value for books... And that's going to be always going to be your mission to mm-hmm. like un- continuously understand the value proposition for I Love Books to different communities. The intrinsic value is always going to be one thing, but I think to make corporations move, it's mm-hmm. always going to be something strategic. So, if I may, I'm thinking about Savanta, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about you building I Love Books as a brand and you becoming an expert in this space where you now have I Love Books as an organization, but you also have. The strategic uh, comp, uh, uh, capital, the strategic mm-hmm. social capital, to truly have access to these nonprofits, which gives Cervanta a much higher uh, form of leverage mm-hmm. to go back to corporations and say, "Hey, you don't want to do cause marketing anyway. Your right. your community engagement department is only five people anyway. Like you want to do more in the community, you keep writing these checks for these galas." Yeah. I promise you, if you take that fifty thousand and put it here for, mm-hmm. with Cervanta, I can make something shape with that way better than right. you doing this little gala. And you actually get to do good in the community. And I think the leverage that that gives you—I'm I'm not sure if you had thought about Cervanta as a past thing, or I just uh, see it. Yeah. I see it. I see it simmering right now. Mm-hmm. And I really do see this work that you're doing right now giving it life again mm. because. I'm thinking strategically like the intrinsic value of what you're doing is always going to be a good yeah. thing, but this is, this is the play. I really think that's the play. So if I may, that's, I About think that's
0: always, the play. We'll talk. Yeah. I, I, heard that you, I heard that you have, you take on clients. So, you know, <laughs> sounds like a potential client. To <laughs> and it makes sense. I mean, like I, at the end of the day, I'm figuring it out and I'm a yeah, team yeah. of one. Like I've got a lot of ideas and I believe that in the words of Mark Cuban, I just need one win. I just need one significant win. Mm. And that'll give me the resources to take what's in my mind, which is expansive and create with it. So mm. I, that doesn't surprise me. Like mm. it doesn't, it makes sense to me I, as you're talking. Like, yeah, that, yeah. 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 How do I do that becomes yeah. the question. And that's where that's where the resources in the form of time and human capital, if you will, yeah. come in. And I don't have a ton of that just yet. Yeah. So soon enough. Yeah. But, you know, check your email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm so I'm so enthralled. So tell us. OK, take us a little bit further back. So social entrepreneurs. um, you know, a lot of people have stories of like, you know, I used to give a lot when I was younger. I've always had this community mm-hmm. mindset. Was that you? Mm. Or was there a veil of like, I don't give a, about people. And yeah. then like, oh, look at all these people who need help.
0: Yeah. No, so I grew up a, a preacher's kid. So service and serving humans has been ingrained in me. My grandmother was... Um, uh, an evangelist, like a radio minister. And my mother has always been active in the church and active in her community. So it's been a part of me since I was a kid. We, uh, When I got to college, I volunteered through organizations like NABA, National Association of Black Accountants or Alpha Phi Alpha, my fraternity, and other organizations that I was involved in. And, and it, I love this question because I hadn't really thought about that until now. When I went into corporate, a lot of that went away. So I felt disconnected, and I think that's probably part of two. It's almost like I got to it, I saw it, I experienced. I'm traveling around the world, I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm like, now what? And in the words of Drizzy, like, is there more? Like, surely there's got to be more than just the stuff. And it was instant. Like that. That's why I believe I was in California at that time because I had to be inspired by something that hit me and it and it did. So yeah, service has always been a part of my life and I believe it will always be.
1: Mm. But you mentioned like being in corporate, um, it kind of took that away.
0: Right? I allowed it to. You allowed Going it Going back to. to who's responsible for it. So corporate could mm. never do anything to me that I didn't allow. I, I was so focused on, look, I went to school, I was disciplined. I was obedient, I did everything right to put myself here, I'm gonna enjoy. Like this is my time now, I'm gonna enjoy. And, and that's not the core of who I am. I'm grateful for it, I'm thankful for sure. Um, but that's not why I'm here as, as a human. Human beings are here to love and serve one another. And when you're in that, you feel different, you feel aligned, your spirituality is on a different level. And so I live in my mind more than I do in this world. I I think a lot, all of that, so.
1: Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank y'all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast. And thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: Yeah, service, goodness, uplifting, positivity, all that good stuff.
1: When you were in corporate, what was your, like, when, you know, annual reviews always Mm kind of, well, I would say authentic annual reviews should give us some clarity on who we are as people, especially when you have good managers. Now, I'd like to know how all those things played out in your life, in your corporate career. But my question is, what would you say was your professional brand when you were in corporate?
0: Uh, to answer the first part, it's always been good. I'm grateful. I've had some amazing mentors in my career, um, dating back to like my actual mentor that I've had since college. But when I came into PG or Amazon or McKesson, like there were people who I was able to connect with who helped me understand the culture of what I was in uh, and I could navigate accordingly. So my personal brand was someone who is willing to help someone who's um reliable resourceful creative um but also like strategic and structured i i felt like i was the i was in finance and on oh my word i was not a finance guy that was the that was the primary feedback that i got before i left was you're not a finance dude which i'm not but I identified as that, which changes everything. Um, and, I, and I'll take a moment to explain that. So, even now, I'm still identifying as who I am. And we were talking about how difficult it is—the idea that people may be watching this want to hear what I have to say. Like that's such a foreign concept to me, even though I do the same. Um, so, like I. I i'm so I'm so grateful I'm so grateful um that it's all panned and my brand was really good i'm'm I'm grateful that the people around me understood me and supported me and when I left the people supported me uh, and I think that speaks the most about who I am is that I still have contacts from my old jobs I got to Amazon from somebody that worked at png. Mm so super grateful super thankful for all of the all of the positivity around what i was able to do in my corporate career
1: absolutely i often say that um in order to make it in 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 life i can't even just say it's a corporate thing but in business maybe um you got to do your job right Mm -hmm. you got to be known for whatever it is that you do And then all of the intrinsic qualities that we have Mm -hmm. kind of, they um, transcend our, Mm -hmm. just our job. So our role is one thing, but our professional brand, and then eventually our our entire brand just, it just carries us through life. And so one of the things that I talk about when people are ready to quit their jobs, Mm -hmm. protect your professional brand. And you can even start figuring strategically, yours happened organically, Mm. but strategically figuring out what that professional brand is, making relationships with people because that ultimately is kind of what you're saying is what carried you through. Even if you didn't feel like you had enough support, at least they mm-hmm. were the ones who supported you and you knew that there was love, right? Yeah. It wasn't just a desert because you didn't yeah. make any connections because nobody knew you at work anyway. That would have been tough Can't times imagine. 10. Yeah. So um, in your journey, you, you went on this journey deliberately to mm-hmm. find out about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. What did you learn about your personality that like came up that bubbled up in your spirit after going through that first experience
0: (laughs) oh um patience i had to work on patience i was not a patient human being um that's probably the the most that's what i learned about myself i would have considered myself patient until i was in the trenches Now i was like oh yeah yeah, you got work to do bro got it yeah so um But I also realized that I am a tenacious human. Like, I have drive and ambition. I am dedicated, I'm loyal, I love, and I care with a capital C. Like, I care about humans. I care about these kids that I'm serving. I care about the families. I care about the the educators. I care. care. And when Kobe Bryant passed last year, um, I asked the question, if that was you, Like, would the world, would the world care? And the answer was no, because you haven't done what you came here to do. And so um, really, really fortunate to have figured it out before it was too late. And I think that's why I love what you're doing and addressing the younger, young professionals who are still in the position to be able to make those changes before they've got the debt, before they've got the obligations and all this stuff. Because if, if in The Alchemist, um, there's a baker in Santiago, and I didn't want to be the baker. I didn't want to be the person that looked back with regret. I would rather try and fail than to not try. And that is what separates me from the vast majority of people who don't. I'm willing to fail. Mm. I'm willing to fail on a public stage. I'm willing to learn because I know that that's what's required to progress. Mm-hmm. That's the tax. Yeah. And I'm willing to pay it. And I think that comes from understanding business. You know everything in business has a cost. there is a tax. and so it's a choice whether you want to pay the tax or not. and I'm just really fortunate that I'm here. I, I, I did not obviously I didn't know that when I'm sleeping on a couch that this moment would ever come, but I believe that it could and that's what inspired me to, to keep going.
1: That's amazing. You mentioned the Alchemist. And I would say, out of so there are some books that have changed my life. Uh, the Alchemist was one of those books that I read in the beginning of my journey. Mm-hmm. Probably like, I don't even know if it was before or after I quit. But a lot of people, especially in the entrepreneur space, it's funny we talk about like being woke with people who think they're woke really aren't. Yeah. So being in the entrepreneur space, some people are like, oh, I just can't get with The Alchemist. And, yeah. you know, it, to me, I get it. It's, it's a non, it's a classified as a nonfiction book, mm. but there's so much wisdom to be gotten. So I'm thinking maybe about your process of reading, mm-hmm. because I believe even when you're reading nonfiction, some people only want to read, um, it's a fictional book. Mm-hmm. Some people only want to read nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So your process of reading, I'm curious, um, I'm curious how you got so much wisdom. Right? From Alchemist. Um, I'm curious. There's so much I'm curious about that I have to come to a question. Yeah, but yeah. It's like, when you're in corporate, even, it's hard to dream. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. It's hard to think about that higher calling. What is your process of reading non-fictional fictional books? Like, how do you... Fictional books, not mm-hmm. non yeah. How do you let that seep into your soul and not... Knowing that it is fictional, how do you treat it as it's real? How does that work for you?
0: Stories. And even going back to contagious, that's one of the ways things become contagious is through stories. What are we doing right now? We're just sharing stories. Mm-hmm. Like they're real stories, but I could also share with you fake, which is how distinguished fiction, nonfiction. Like I could tell you fake stories. You'd still get the lessons. Whether they're applicable to me or you or whoever's watching is less relevant than the story itself. So The Alchemist was a story about a journey, a human that decided to do something different, which I did. I'm from a place where most people want to be shepherds, which is what he was going to be. He challenged it. He said, I didn't want, I don't want to do what everyone else did. Um, I'm going to go do my own thing. Whether that's a real human, you could write that story. Mm-hmm. I could write the story. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's Santiago doesn't change. It's the lesson that I'm learning from it. And that's really my process of reading. I read to learn. I, I don't, I rarely read just for like, oh, I wanna go read this book for pleasure. Like, no, I want to learn how to play golf. I wanna learn stocks. I wanna learn how to do corporate finance. I wanna learn how to play the piano. I'll go read for those things. I've really been on a mindset. So going back to the mindset and how the alchemist, I think that's why people identify with it is because it, it isn't a real story, but there's still a lesson and they can see themselves in the story. But there are a host of books that did the same type of work for me mentally. Um, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, vital. Four Agreements, vital. As a Man Thinketh, vital. Um, Magic of Believing, vital. And if the, the theme is all mindset. Mm-hmm. Most of us are taught things when we're young that we never challenge and never break i had to retrain my brain brain to believe something different you're talking about not being able to dream in corporate well when you get in the place where you can now dream how do you dream i'm learning all of this stuff so i'm reading all of these books and i'm just changing my mindset um they 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 including the alchemists, have been imperative in all of this so uh if y'all have not read The Alchemist, please do that. If you have not read The Four Agreements, Celestine Prophecy, As a Man Thinketh, um, those will change your life. I promise, hit me up if they don't and we'll read them together. I had to let the people That's know. That's a proposition
1: right there. I had to let the people You know. have to. I co-signed that message. Facts. My name is Ariel. <laughs> <That's laughs> I approve this
0: message, yeah. No doubt.
1: So um, when you think about, so we're, we're, we're talking about, we've been talking about adults a lot. We've been talking about our journey. And adults um, the power of literacy mm-hmm. uh, the future of illiteracy uh, and consequences and things like that right um, well the cool thing about your music video is it takes place in the school yeah. right so let's not forget the we want to reach out to the most fertile soil that is mm-hmm. available which is our children our youth and we want to instill certain ideas yeah. right not not. Um, Hmm, what I'm trying to, like, you know how we're taught what is good, what is bad, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not that we want to instill ideas, we want to instill ways of thinking, right? Yeah. So, and you just ran off a laundry list of books that changed your life. How do you start to introduce books and reading that's different than what we've done, Mm -hmm. that how we were raised? Because, I mean, we've always had accelerated reader programs, those type of things. How do you, how does I Love Books take an innovative approach to helping young people get? in love with books
0: We got to meet them where they are see I think that we as as adults think that kids should listen to us because that's how we were raised like do as I say not as I do no mm. that's not that's not the way I'm going to execute it you like you like Drake you like LeBron okay we'll get you LeBron's book you like sports okay we'll get you sports about books you like music we'll, we'll make this book music for you Oh, you like, the, like, we're going to meet the kids where they are and give them books that are relevant to them. Culturally responsive is the current terminology. Um, whether you're in eastern Kentucky, that's a that's a culture, mm-hmm. you know, and that culture isn't going to be the same as West Louisville or South Atlanta. You know, they, these are all different places and the kids in those places deserve the right to have access to books that they want. Um, And it's our job, my job as the bookman, I Love Books' job uh, as an entity to create those platforms. Um, So the music video, we, uh, shout out to Principal Hutchinson at William Wells Brown, the Promise Academy at William Wells Brown. I hit them up and was like, hey, we're getting ready to give some books away. Are you interested? I found out that they read I Promise every morning. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at that time they had been renamed to the Promise Academy. And she was super cool and receptive of the idea and me coming in and I'm like, hey, I got a video that I'd like to shoot. I'll send you the song. You can hear it. It'll be real simple. She's like, yeah, and that that's what we need. Like no one else is gonna do. No one who's gonna come in and do this. So it's gotta be us. I was just on a call the other day. I may have mentioned this offline. There's a dude that's like, oh yeah, I live in this nice neighborhood. I'm not worried about anyone else's kids. And like that that thought process mm-hmm. is why I have to do what I'm doing because there is a gap that was created hundreds of years ago in this country and that gap continues to this day if we don't intervene the gap just continues yeah. and I and coming from corporate we are not built to talk about problems without solving them mm-hmm. the illiteracy crisis continues in this country because the educators did not go to school for problem solving, yeah. the way that we did.
1: Yeah.
0: My MBA was a, all I did in corporate was solve problems. Mm-hmm. We've got the wrong people trying to solve the problem. So, you, me, um, all the social entrepreneurs out there, we're responsible for addressing the needs through business because we've been given a different skill set than the people who are responsible for educating our kids. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between a great educator and one that's just a teacher. Um, and that's the difference between someone who's made their living in corporate and someone who hasn't. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's we got we got work, and we're gonna meet the kids where they are instead yeah. of judging them. Like we got to stop judging these kids.
1: Mm. You just everything you just said reminded me. So, um, I had a, a, a guest on. His name was Court Parks, and he was talking about a, a client of his. Mm. So he's a brand um, mm-hmm. um, um, expert, and one of his clients is a teacher. Mm. Right. We, you said we had teachers trying to, we have the wrong people in, in a position trying to solve problems, but then we have some teachers who are teachers and they rightfully so should be focused on the teaching aspect of it. Yeah. But this teacher that he told me about has like a hundred and something thousand followers. So he's Instagram famous and you know, that's what kids care about mm-hmm. nowadays. And I think when you say meet them where they are, I think him building like his, the teacher, he's talking about building his brand to a point where your student can go. Oh, my teacher's got a hundred or something mm-hmm. thousand followers. It just now I can speak to you on a di- mm-hmm. different level. Of course, because now like I have the level of success that you deem
0: yeah is successful. <laughs> um, I'm from the home. Uh, I'm I'm from the same state as Muhammad Ali. Mm. So we we'll use the champs word. I the reporter was asking him, "Do you have a Rolls? Roy- you have a Rolls Royce, but you talk about consumers like correction. I have two. Because when I ride through the Ville, the kids got to see I have what they aspire. Why else would the kids want to be D-Boys? You know, why do they want to be rappers? Why do they want to be trappers, actors? Why do they want to be entertainers? Because those are the people that they see living the life that they want to live. They don't see the teacher driving the Maserati. They don't see their, the 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 principal uh, riding in the Rolls. They don't see that. But they see these other folks doing it. Yeah. We've got to connect the dots to show them that that's, it's not bad to want those things. That's fine. No problem. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go get it with the ways that they've put in front of you. Facts. That's it. So I'm going to talk about the, the millions of dollars that I've made in this corporate game. I'm going to talk about the fact that I've been all around the world and I've lived this life because when I was growing up, that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And if I would have been follow- if I would have known about me, I would have followed me. Yeah. Cause that's a smart dude. Yeah. I can identify he's gonna make a bunch of money because he's smart. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can mess with that. Uh versus I'm not gonna be in the NBA or the NFL. We gotta stop selling these dreams. And not even disrupting the dream. If that's what you wanna do, cool. But be smart. Yeah. You can always you can always live that life being smart.
1: Yeah. And one thing that you just said, the way you framed it, I hadn't necessarily had an issue with it until this very moment, selling dreams. If it's your dream, I don't have to sell you on it. Mm. You know what I mean? And because we push the NBA as a dream. We push the NFL Mm -hmm. as a dream. We push certain dreams on kids. You should want to be a doctor.
0: True. Yeah, that's a great point, too. Woof.
1: If, i don't want you i don't have to put the dream yeah. the dream is already the seed has already been planted right. that dream is already gonna come to fruition but we push we sell i don't know it's something that you that's just said great, in a, in that's that
0: a great point yeah we mm. do and a lot of it i mean a lot of it comes from parents trying to live through their kids mm. excuse me or a community trying to live through their kids mm. there's a lot of reasons why like You've maybe been unsuccessful. You don't want that to happen. But the truth is our job as adults is to expose the youth to everything that they could possibly want to do. Mm -hmm. They will naturally, and I think this is what you're alluding to, when they discover that dream, it's theirs. That's the reason why you see seven-year-old phenoms. They have discovered their passion, their thing, Mm -hmm. and somebody saw it with them, Mm -hmm. and they gone. I was listening to the Columbus short interview um, with Mike Tyson, and he was talking about um, he was talking about that. Like it, it's it's just fascinating to me. The Whole the whole, yeah, yeah. pushing dreams all.
1: I want to tell you a story about a, a girl who she taught me something. This girl, I was I was volunteering with some young girls and I was tra- teaching them about non traditional jobs and traditional jobs. Yeah. So, and at the end of it, I didn't even feel like I too. I really because it was the end, like right at the end of the Corona and. I'm feeling like, okay, I'm getting back into the vibe of being in groups. And I walked away feeling like, oh, that was a decent, you know, occasion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the girl who was really quiet in the back, this these were a group of like 11 to 13. They were girls about 11 to 13. And she walks up to me with this little piece of paper and the um, it's a book written on it. It says book suggestion. And it was called uh, The War... Oh, I wish. Okay, the war I won, the war, oh, the war that changed my life, the world, the war, the war that saved my life. Yes, and um, and I looked at it and I said, "Oh my gosh, I've never won." I I don't know when the last time I got a book suggestion. And then from a young girl, (laughs) the book was so interesting, and uh, it was about you know a young girl who grew up with a club foot in London during the World War sure. II, yeah. um, I believe. And it's just for her to have been so impacted by a book or impacted by me to, that she gave me a book that was, she was impacted by. Either yeah. way, I was in a cosmos of yeah. like, the world is gonna yeah. be okay. Yeah. And yeah. she taught me just by that one like gesture that our that our kids are not lost, no. you know, contrary to what we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they can teach us a thing or two if we allow them to. Yep. Um and I think, you know, the concept of I love books needs to be more so instilled. We can even use them to push it. Like mm-hmm. we as adults push it. But there I guess the reason that the story is coming up for me is because there are little soldiers out there yeah. who will also need to have little I love books shirts on for and sure. be ambassadors for this for brand. Sure. Yes. This is amazing
0: i mean and and you and I both have the ability to look into the future mm-hmm. and bring the future to the present mm-hmm. so all these ideas um my brother Leslie and I talk often about ideas and we got probably a zillion ideas in our in our text thread over the last few years mm-hmm. we I see the future mm-hmm. and similar to the question that you were asking a little earlier with the connections and I'm like i I just need to get, keep going until I get to the next level and then I can get resources and spread those resources. But all there's, I Love Books is, it just hasn't happened yet, but I Love Books is a global brand, 100%. We will give 100 million books to kids. We Mm -hmm. will create, we will address in a systemic way the illiteracy crisis. We will close this literacy gap. And we will see the results of that in five and 10 and 15 years when the prison population is decreased when poverty is decreased homelessness is decreased like we're going to see the direct correlation i got big dreams Mm -hmm. and unlike the first time when i was unprepared this go around i'm prepared like i got runway i'm good so time yeah time that's all we need time every everything including cervanta Mm-hmm. Which I've never thought about trying to revive or even do anything with, but it makes sense. All of that's coming, it's just a matter of time. Absolutely. When I love I, it.
1: When I think about uh, there was a, ooh, before I, I lose it in my excitement. Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. Got it. So you were thinking about, um, you were talking about, you learn patience. Um, even you you expressing your vision, I can see it so clearly. Um, it is time that really helps the present catch up to the past or future.
0: Oof. You know what I mean? That's the vehicle, yeah, yeah,
1: all of that. Now, in the moment, in the journey, we get impatient, we try to we get discouraged, yeah. we um we start to doubt ourselves, right? What are some of the things that you've experienced that kind of revive your, your like inspiration every now and then that share, even if it's not the long-term impact that we're doing, it's the momentary impact that you see. What has happened for you on your journey? Oh man,
0: the giving. To stand in front of hundreds of these kids primarily who look like me and give them an image they've never seen to give them a book that they read every morning that they may not be able. To. That's why that that's the strongest why that I can have. And it's more than just a book. It's who's given them the book. Mm-hmm. When we look at who owns and who runs and who makes the sh- calls, And unfortunately there's, there's an inequitable scenario and it's not equal. Um, it's almost like you, you took all these resources and then put, yourself in a position to give those resources back while making them the whole whole different whole different thing but I feel like the the giving um when people say that they're inspired that's probably second to the giving because I feel like that's what we're here I really believe um I think Nipsey Hussle is the first person I heard it from the highest human act is to inspire because we can't make other humans do what they don't want to do, you get change through the inspiration. So I don't anticipate, even with looking at all of books, I don't anticipate people um, doing what I tell them to do. Mm-hmm. I anticipate people being inspired and then do it on their own. Mm. So those are the things that give me the the rejuvenation and in the small wins, like I. Somebody sent me a, an uh, IG message the other day that was talking about, oh, my family's full of educators and we're grateful for what you're doing. If you need any help, let me know. Those, I mean, yeah, all of the positive offsets. Yeah. The challenges, for sure.
1: Absolutely. You um, you know, this work that we do in, in uh, social work, specifically, uh, and social entrepreneurship, um, it takes a bit of selflessness, right? But we're human, right? Yeah. And ego pops its head whenever it yes. wants to, yeah. right? So what does it look if you would be transparent? Like what does it look like? What does it what does your ego sound like when is you know, it's like listen, <laughs> what does it sound like? I'm just curious if you could personify your ego and then what do you do when that thing when when that when that guy pops up what do you do when it, when he uh, says hey i'm here
0: <laughs> i'm getting the back bro like dude what are you doing why are you here No, nah, that's and it's and it's interesting that you say that because i feel like through meditation you can remove the ego but being aware of it is the first step to dealing with it so i think that the first time around it was more of a challenge because I had never failed on that level. Like I was always successful in whatever I was doing. So that was a sting. And that ego was much different than current ego. Current ego is humbled. Current ego is grateful. Um, even when, now that being said, the bookman, like the image, and it's similar to the Black Mamba with Kobe. So if you listen to why Kobe created the Black Mamba, it was a way for him to, take this, what was inside of him and put it in the form of a character that wasn't Kobe. Mm. So the bookman is a character. That's the reason why the bookman raps. He does different things. I, Jonathan, would never do it. Mm. I, Jonathan, still am struggling to identify because I still identify as Jonathan, the analyst, Jonathan, Mm. the dude from Perry County. I haven't made the full mental shift to know that I truly am who I know that I am, which is the chief bookman. And that's my purpose. When I was born, that's, What I was created to do is this work. Um, So my ego has adjusted over time, and failure, especially public failure, failure Mm. has a way of changing your ego. (laughs) (laughs) Like you thought, you thought, no, (laughs) yeah, no, no. sit down, young guy, (laughs) yeah, move to the back. It's funny. Um, Really grateful because there's been so many lessons. Like all of this, if we wanted the world to change, it could change immediately if we changed ourselves. Going back to what we were saying earlier, the hardest part of all of this is being self-critical and not judging self at the same time. And making the changes that are needed to become the best version of ourselves. But a lot of us don't want to look inside it's just so much easier to look outside which then going back to the ego makes your ego still stay up here because you're blaming everything on everyone else but when you start looking inside your ego goes from here to here because you start looking at all the things that you are flawed in or that you don't do right it's important not to judge yourself because you don't want to be critical in that in that way but it's imperative it's vital to look at oneself and say, "Where can I improve? Am I the best version of me? No. Then what do I need to do to change?" It? That's my ego journey. Yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I can ask you questions all day. I I do have this one last question, and then um, and then uh, we always end with a a ceremonial wisdom question i always do that so but when you think about your uh your family like the external expectations and stuff you know your parents and your your community have been watching you go through this journey and whatever they know of your journey they've seen it externally right Mm -hmm. what's the level of support or what's the common theme that you hear from like your parents is it proud i'm proud of you finally or is it like what's the what's the external like how do people resonate with you now
0: My, I think that my family, excuse me, my family has been super supportive. Um, It's different because I'm the first person that I think any of us know who's tried to do something like this. So I have to be mindful of no one's seen this so while you and i can go to the future pull it back and know what the future is going to be because we create it that's not something most people are able to do so my family's ability to support even though they may not be able to see like what i see has changed it's continued to improve and become stronger and stronger over the course of time um and now it's it's super strong like i'm really grateful i can feel the difference between when i was building cervanta and this because they see the traction, they see the results now. Um, mm. The fear is gone because I'm no longer broke and trying to figure it out. Like, I'm very clear on what I'm doing. It's very evident that this is not the same. And I think every win gives, not just my family, but my friends, um, the people around me more confidence. And I think as people continue to see my dedication like I'm commit. I'm not going anywhere this isn't going to go away a year from now or six months from now it's only going to get bigger and I think that's how we're going to motivate and inspire other people to come on board um, the first time around it was crazy because you're watching somebody who is capable of making all this money that most people don't command in the market right now and you're watching them deliberately suffer
1: deliberately
0: deliberately suffer. Mm-hmm but this goes back to why I feel the way that I do about my spirituality. I've chosen this life. The people like the people talk about when you're getting to faith earlier, all of us choose our lives. What are you choosing? So to me this it's difficult to watch somebody be faithful. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. So yeah, uh, shout out to my whole family. My mom, my brother, my sisters, my nieces, my nephews, the two twins that are coming. Happy birthday to y'all on the early. Yeah. Yeah. My sister is pregnant. So, um, they gonna see this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uncle
0: Debbie Grace Word. <laughs> yeah. Quincy, uh, Jules, um, Sanaya, uh, uh, Jazzy, like the whole, the whole family. And I'm sure that if they see this, they're like,
1: oh, Uncle
0: Johnny. Uh, You're
1: a pioneer, you know that? Thank you. Yeah.
0: I appreciate it. Yeah. It's weird. It really is. This is all, this was all, like, it was all, a, in the words of Big. it was all a dream. This was all a dream. Like, I'm sitting here in this, and I, this is a dream. Um, I'm in it, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. If there is one word that I would sum up my, the feeling that I'm engulfed in the most, is gratitude. Mm. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. because I've lived the other side mm. and I'm faithful to to the universe, to the creator for being faithful. If you do this, I will get you out of this. Yeah. Not only did I get out, I got out and I put myself in a position that most people aspire to end with and I'm just getting started. Just getting started. Yeah, listen. Yeah.
1: Listen. <laughs> when I tell you I cannot wait But whatever the ceremonial occasion is, 20 years, 30 years from now, and like we get to hand, like hand, oh, just hand someone the the award or they hand, or, you know, that was my ego, (laughs) right? That was my ego. Uh, But when I'm around a million people who um, have been touched by the things that we do um, and for people to be able to see that we can live a life that is wealthy Mm -hmm. in all aspects, Mm -hmm. right? And also um, give back and be your authentic self. That's a dream that's very disconnected in the space that I work in right now. Ooh,
0: that authentic self though. Yeah. That's so difficult. I still struggle Mm -hmm. because it's a, you've got an image that people think. There's going to be a lot of people, as I continue to go down this journey, I'm convinced that there's people who will say that I flipped, I changed. I'm like, no, well, I've changed because yes, I've Mm -hmm. grown as a human. Mm -hmm. I don't fit into the box that you like for me. And I think that's gonna happen mostly for people back home Mm -hmm. because I left, Mm -hmm. I got exposed to the world. I'm aware that the world is so much bigger than a state, a city, a country, a a continent. Like It's it's so much bigger than that. And Mm -hmm. for us to lead and have those million people there, Mm -hmm. it's not the million people Um, that's not it it's Mm. who we had to become to command a million people which goes back to the introspective (laughs) it's an inside job it's all introspective everything every and when and when human beings realize that everything is an inside job the world changes so yeah to be to become that person is all the work that you're putting in now you've been putting in work i've been putting in work We've been putting in work. It's going to manifest. These are universal laws that we accept for farming. Um, We accept laws like gravity, but every farmer knows that you go, you plant, you cultivate, you reap. Like there's a process. We live in in a microwave society. We want it now. We want the instant gratification. I'll delay. If delaying gets me what I really want, I'll delay. So, <sighs> mindset.
1: Mindset, thank you. Thank you for bringing it, even my layers of ego. Anyway, I am ex- so excited uh, for people to hear your story. And um, those of you guys who resonate with this story, I'm super excited for you to just tap in. Listen, we got to have a whole discussion about after this conversation. But um, as, we, as we get up out of here, as we close, I think about... Um, the people who have yet to discover their passion, mm-hmm. have yet to realize um, in person what poverty or mm. homelessness or mm. even even if it has nothing to do with a societal issue, which I can't think of a, a motive outside of it yet. But, yeah. you know, motives exist and in, 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 in any form or fashion, but they haven't they haven't discovered it yet. Right. And you think about reaching back to that person like. What is that one thing that you need to say that will help either um, shift their perspective or consider something they hadn't considered before so that they can prepare for a journey like we've experienced?
0: Project yourself into the future. So when the pandemic first hit, my question was, do you want to do this for the next 25 years, 30 years of life? And the answer was no. So then it becomes, well, what do you do? I'd already knew what I was supposed to do. I just didn't want to go try to rebuild again. But when I accepted it, I knew. So the qu- I would start there. Project yourself into the future. Is this what you want to do every single day? And then realize that you have options. If you choose a different option, prepare, which I think is one of your themes. Like prepare for the jump. Don't just jump because it sounds cool and you've read about an entrepreneur that jumped and got lucky. That's not it. Make a plan. Um, if you love what you do, love it, be the best at it. If you don't change it, but understand that you are responsible. I guess that will be my ult. You're responsible. It goes back to your tweet. It is (laughs) because when you do that, you, you'll naturally want to do what's in your own best interest because now you're responsible for your pain and your pleasure. And if you give yourself pain by staying in something that you don't like, that's not going to serve you And and since you're being a fully accountable, you realize that by doing this, this is on me. No one's making me do this. I'm I'm choosing to hurt myself, and I don't think that that's what we want to do as humans. So that would be my advice.
1: Mm. Strong, strong, strong. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you
0: so much. Such a pleasure. (laughs) Gratitude. I'm I'm so grateful. Yeah, (laughs) and yeah, for sure. I'm so grateful. and all the work that you're doing congratulations to you congratulations on um your career your jump your success your growth and the potential that you have which i know is unlimited the fact that you already said a million means it's probably two or three that's gonna be there i believe that oh man yeah
1: oh man speak it okay listen so uh for those thank you guys for listening thank you guys for watching um if in the you know obvious occasion someone resonates with your story and they want to connect with you they either want to support mm-hmm. they want to connect with you and watch your journey or they want to work with you or for you um how can they get in contact with you what are the ways they can re- reach out to you
0: yes yes so you can you see the shirt I books. dot org the dot org was domain people ask me are you a nonprofit? No we are a for-profit social enterprise Uh, That's the quickest way that you can support this movement to end illiteracy book by book. Again, that's ilovebooks.org. You can also catch us at at ilovebooksorg on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you want to talk to me, hit me up. My name is Jonathan, but I go by the Chief Bookman, and I am at Chief Bookman on all social platforms. I would be honored um, if you wanted to hit me up and talk more about what you want to do or The movement to get books in the hands of every single child on the planet. Thank y'all.
1: Thank you. Thank y'all. Thank you so much. Reach out to this guy. The more people that we have who have the capabilities, the skill set, I talk about skills based volunteering. So use your skill set for good, even if you don't know what your purpose is yet. But until next time, we are out of here. I want you to go out there, find a reason to be great, and I'll catch you guys later. Peace out.
0: Peace.